This week has been an astounding week at our nation's Capitol building. Since Wednesday, news feeds have been pipelining, pipelining images of rage, hatred, anger, and fear into our homes. Five people died. I heard the statistic this week that even prior to this Wednesday, 60% of Americans could not speak to family members about our national politic without inciting a rage-filled argument. Our division has been growing not just between strangers, but between loved ones. We cannot share a meal together because we cannot share words together. And this willingness toward anger, this love of meanness, it holds us captive, away from strangers and from loved ones alike. We are held captive by our ideologies, held captive by our conviction that we alone are right. We are held captive by the grudges that we have nurtured, by the anger that we have harbored, by the disdain that we so easily heap upon others. Some told us this week that the insurrectionists at the Capitol were acting on behalf of freedom, but they were only displaying our captivity to sin. Our scripture passage for today is also about captivity. More importantly, it's about the one who frees us from it. Please join me in listening for the word of the Lord. Now a new king arose over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and in the event of a war join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless on imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed upon them. Friends, if you will, please join me as we pray. God, we call for your spirit to fill the rooms that we are in now, from the ceiling to the roof, from wall to wall, that every corner might be occupied by your presence. We pray the same for our hearts, that you might fill us from the bottom of our feet to the last hair on the top of our head, from each fingertip, so that we might too Be filled with the Spirit that provides wisdom and love, compassion and justice. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. There are times in our lives where we find that something that used to give us life, something that once gave us joy, 
eventually it changes into something that steals our life away. It's the college kid who used to love kicking back with a couple of beers and a couple of friends, who now finds himself years later as an adult whose hands shake without a drink. It's the computer enthusiast who once loved cruising through the expanse of the internet in his free time, who one day finds that he can't get through the day without seeing pornography. It's the girl who loved fashion magazines as a teenager, who later finds herself saddled with a closet full of clothes and loads of consumer debt. There are times in our lives where something that once offered us freedom changes to become our captor. Sometimes what used to free us becomes something that binds us. The ancient Hebrews, they knew how this felt too. As we continue our sermon series for today, looking at the seven Hebrew words that every Christian should know, we come to the word Mitzrayim, which translated means Egypt. In the Hebrew Bible, Egypt was the place where a young man named Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and held in prison. Egypt was where the king, Pharaoh, befriended Joseph, grateful that Joseph could translate the dreams that were keeping Pharaoh up at night. Egypt was the place where Joseph eventually was promoted to help lead the government and who would one day provide food during a famine for those same brothers who had sold him into slavery, eventually establishing Egypt as a safe home for the Hebrews who were Joseph's people. Egypt was a place that offered opportunity for the foreigner, that provided food for those who were hungry, that restored love between brothers. It was a place that offered freedom and life. But the root of the word Mitzrayim, it means to press upon. And eventually, Mitzrayim, Egypt, began to press upon the Hebrew people. Egypt began to crush them. The scripture says that the new king, a new pharaoh, came into power in Egypt, one who did not value the history of living peacefully as one society with the Hebrew people. So the new king turned on the Hebrews, saying, they are way too many of these Israelites for us to handle. So we've got to do something. Let's devise a plan to contain them, lest there's a war and they should join our enemies or they should just walk off and leave us. So the Egyptians organized the Hebrews into work gangs and they started to put them into hard labor. The new setup, it didn't improve the relationship between the Egyptians and the Hebrews at all. It only increased their animosity. The Egyptians got so that they couldn't stand the Hebrews, treating them worse than ever, making them miserable, crushing them under a cruel workload, under heartless circumstances, treating them as animals. 
Eventually, a man named Moses would rise up as a leader among the Hebrews, whose faith as a collective people had started to falter after years of slavery. Moses told the Hebrew people that God wanted them to be free, that there was a life to be lived away from Egypt, that they were created for more than the crushing oppression and heartless circumstances that they were living in. Moses put the Hebrews into a position where they had to decide something. Were they going to stay with what they knew and remain captive to Egypt? Or were they going to follow God's invitation into an unknown land of freedom on what had become a wounded and weak faith? Was it better for them to remain with what was familiar, with a place that had once given them life, even if it was crushing them now? Or was it better for them to leave this known evil behind at the risk of encountering the unknown and all of its risks, all in the pursuit of a freedom that they weren't even sure they were capable of having? Moses did lead the Hebrew people out of captivity, but that didn't keep the Hebrews from grumbling along the way. In fact, as they wandered in the wilderness at Sinai, they found themselves looking back fondly upon the years that they had in captivity, idealizing their memories of Egypt. They reshaped their memories to make them better than they actually were, remembering what it felt like to have their stomachs feel full, but refusing to remember what it felt like to break rocks in the desert summer sun. They remembered what it felt like to welcome numerous children into their quarters, but they refused to remember what it felt like to have those children ripped away from them and drowned in the river. Egypt, Mitzrayim, pressed upon them within inches of their lives. And yet, they found it difficult to admit to themselves that the situation had changed, that Egypt was no longer the place that offered them life, but that it had become a place that now took their lives away. Egypt, the place that once offered them freedom, had now become their captor. Friends, we, like the Hebrews, we have a tendency to reshape the past and to make it better than it actually was in our memories. We, like the Hebrews, also find it difficult to admit to ourselves when something that we once loved no longer loves us. When something that once helped us feel free now holds us captive. It can be things 
that do this, like alcohol or pornography or money. It could be things like addiction to work or food or to attention. But often, what holds us captive does not exist outside of us, but rather inside of us. It's the ideology that says that some people are more valuable than others. It's the self-labeled identity or the personal history that makes us feel superior. It's the pattern of thinking that we will smugly wrap around ourselves like a warm, impenetrable blanket, muffling out the cries and the shouts of the people who are around us. We, like the Hebrews, can find it very difficult to decide between remaining with what is familiar to us, even if it is harming us, or following God toward a freedom on what might be shaky or wounded faith. But you know, God makes it clear what God wants. God makes it clear what God wants for us. God wants us to be free from the things that press upon us. God wants us free from captivity. God does not want us to settle and accept that any known evil will ever treat us better than God's unknown freedom. God wants us to live free from the things that bind us. Which brings me to the question, my friends. What is pressing upon you in your life right now? What situation used to make you feel free? But if you're honest with yourself, now only holds you captive. Where in your life is God inviting you to follow in faith into the unknown in order to give you more life and more joy and more freedom away from addiction, away from the smugness, away from the narrow place of certainty that prevents us from experiencing the broadness of God's creation? Where is God asking you and me to make the hard decision of walking away from the things that bind us? I once saw a woman make this hard choice. It was a bride whose wedding I was officiating. As we talked about their vision for their marriage, she shared her history with me. She was raised by a father who was abusive and demeaning. And so she felt safe in relationships that abused and demeaned her. She was discarded by one man after another. Then she met the man that she was going to marry. She was a beautiful woman. And her husband was the first person to tell her that she was worth more than her beauty. Ashamed of her past, her husband was the first person to tell her 
that she was not defined by her worst decisions or by the worst things that had ever happened to her. When I asked her why she wanted to be married, after all she had gone through, she responded to me by saying this, because this love frees me from all of the things that used to bind me. Wouldn't all of us want a love like that? And the good news, friends, is that love is here for you and for me. What will it take for us to recognize our captors and to go after that boundless love? Amen.